Welcome back to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Kyle Irving. And Kyle, we are days away from preseason NBA basketball being back on our TVs, man. How does that feel? Is it Does it feel real yet? No, it definitely doesn't feel real yet. I can't wait for it. I, I thought that, you know, once we found out about the December 22nd tip-off date, that that was going to come up really fast. And it was, it was almost going to feel too fast, like we didn't get a long enough break in between. But... I mean, just being basketball junkies like we are, it's I'm ready for it. Now that it's almost here and we're writing all this preview stuff, it's it's time. I'm ready for NBA basketball to get back on my TV. Yeah, it, it is time. You said it. You said it right there. Uh, the Toronto Raptors will open up the preseason with a doubleheader back to battle. I mean, they, it's two two days and two games in three days. They they play the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, we get our first look at Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward uh, in the pinstripes for the first time on. Saturday, December 12th, and then again on Monday, December 14th. And we'll have more preview content for that. Uh, but over the weekend, the Raptors had their first group workout and practices for training camp, which, again, is just like right here. We're, we're in the thick of it. Um, going in with 20 bodies on the training camp roster, um, obviously the usual suspects at the top, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, um, they are the guys who I guess you can call like the core five, but there's a lot else to be uh, discussed with this training camp roster. But we can start with the, the guys at the top. Obviously, Kyle Lowry is the ageless wonder. A year older, Fred Van Vliet got paid a lot. OG Anobi seems to be the guy that everybody's talking about. So what are you expecting as we go into this year from these guys who have been uh, the core of the franchise for so many years now and, and are the reliable ones? I think that, when you lose that safety blanket of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul, yeah. it affects those core five guys more than you would think. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, more responsibility falls on Aaron Baines, Chris Boucher, Alex Len, but really you're expecting more out of Kyle Lowry, even though, like you said, he's getting older. You need more out of Pascal Siakam than we saw from him in the bubble and in the playoffs. Uh, Fred Van Vliet just got paid and you need him to play like the player he got paid to be, even though he was already saying that, you know, the media better not come down on him harder than, than they do because he got more money. And then Norman Powell to me is the big one where if he could really uh, first off, stay healthy, he had a couple unlucky injuries last year and somehow maintain that high level of play each and every time that he was on and off the court. Uh, but if he could stay healthy and, and keep that, high level of play going for the full 72 game season, that would be massive for the Raptors. So I think it all starts with Pascal Siakam. He has to be the player that we saw through the first, let's say, you know, 40 games of the regular season last year. And I think that he will be, it seems like he's, you know, ready to get back into it. It seems like he's probably sick of hearing about his playoff performance. You know, Masai Jerry said it himself that it didn't seem like basketball was all that fun for Pascal in the bubble, which, you know, there's a personal aspect to that stuff that, you know, I, I don't think that us as, as NBA fans, NBA writers, we really let the personal side of things from the NBA bubble soak in enough. And I think that with Pascal Siakam, he is a great player. He is going to get better this offseason. He is going to raise his level of play in this next season and be better for his performance in the playoffs. So I think it all starts with him. Obviously, Kyle and Fred is what makes the wheels turn on both ends of the floor. And then you need to see a lot more from Norman Powell staying completely healthy. And you mentioned OG Ananobi. This has to be a major leap year for OG, OG Ananobi. I think we started to see that in the playoffs. He put together a good, a, a couple strong offensive performances. We already know what he can do defensively, but seeing OG Ananobi, OG Ananobi do that consistently on the offensive end could be a major key and unlock this Toronto Raptors team for the 2021 season. Yeah, two things you said that really stand out to me: one being Fred VanVleet and 
I don't want to say the narrative is going to change or anything like that because he's always going to have that chip on his shoulder as the undrafted guy who's kind of been against all odds. But I do think that there is your performance is looked at differently now when you're when you're making over twenty million dollars annually. And I don't think that it's people are going to judge him unfairly, but I do think that now it's not going to be a surprise anymore. He's going to be expected to do these things. But the big one, and and I, and I say all that to say, I, I fully expect him to do it as well. And I don't think that he's going to regress or anything like that. Now that he's gotten paid, it'll be a lot more pressure, but it's pressure. I think he's built to handle. The other thing is Pascal. And I do think, you know, you listen to the comments that Masai Jerry made, and we said it over and over again, that he wasn't himself uh, during the postseason during the restart. And, addition in addition to the personal things that he was dealing with just with how hard it is to play in that bubble I do think that you look at the story of all the 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 biggest stars and even said this himself they had that one moment that was that I guess part of that superhero arc you know where you kind of experience this bottom or or this low and you don't want to ever feel that again and I think that he's going to bounce back from that and I think that that is really going to allow him to propel to the next level. And I think we forget, a lot of people forget on the outside that he was all NBA last year. He was an all-star starter. So he was excellent. He just had, you know, a bad month and a half. So I think it wouldn't be a problem for him to bounce back from that. Those five guys are five of nine guys on fully guaranteed contracts going in to, excuse me, five of nine guys who are returning on guaranteed contracts. Um, These guys who are in the rotation after those five, Chris Boucher re-signed, Patrick McCall dealt with injuries last year, and then Stanley Johnson, who exercises player option, uh, are, I guess, I don't want to say six, seven, and eight, but they are. Uh, they kind of round out the rotation to a certain extent. Boucher, obviously, of those three, is going to step into a much bigger role this year, especially with the deal he signed, especially with the exit of Gasol and of Ibaka. So what are you expecting from Boucher and these guys as well? Because I think Nick Nurse likes Patrick McCall a lot, and Stanley Johnson showed flashes. He's a former lottery pick, so you could have a different levels of expectations all of them, but it's it makes sense to have expectations of those guys. I think starting with Chris Boucher, I'm really excited for Boucher this upcoming season just because he really has worked so hard. He's worked his way up the ranks from Raptors 905, winning titles, winning league MVPs, defensive player of the year, to really scrapping to find any sort of playing time on the roster to last season. He became a real energy guy for Nick Nurse when the team looked down on either end of the floor, whether they needed him to go in and jack up a couple threes on offense, which we have no problem. We know he has no problem doing, or if it's just providing a little bit of energy on the defensive end or on the glass, that was really his role last season. And in the bubble towards the back end of the bubble, the seeding games, when the Raptors had already clinched their seed, we got to see a little bit more of Chris Boucher. And I think that in that, you know, greater sample size, that is what we could see from Boucher this upcoming season, because there are going to be certain nights where whether Aaron Baines is on, isn't healthy and he can't stay on the floor, or maybe they're playing a team that likes to move a little bit faster and they want to move or use Boucher as the five uh, to, to kind of fly up and down the floor a little bit more. I just think that we're going to get to see him in a bigger role that he's worked so hard to get to. And I think that contract they gave him this off season is in, is an indication that he can reach that level of a consistent rotation player in the NBA And I just believe that he plays hard enough every single time that he steps on the floor. He's always giving it 110% in a Nick nurse's system. That's always going to work. And, you know, he's going to have to shoot the three ball uh, in order to stay on the floor because that's going to help stretch the floor and it's going to help, you know, create space for more of their 
uh, go-to scorers, but also he's going to have to find a way to protect the paint and really become an effective shot blocker, which we already know that he can be. Mm -hmm. It's more so just a size aspect of, you know, is he big enough to stay on the floor with some of the beasts in the East, like Bam Adebayo, Joel Embiid, to name a few. Um, But I'm really excited about Chris, Chris Boucher this upcoming season. I think he's worked hard to get to this point. I think that he's really going to make this opportunity pay off. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and, and you and I can attest, we never played in the NBA. Newsflash, you guys, we never played in the NBA. <laughs> but having played basketball in our past, something about your rhythm just being just that much better when you have a consistent role and you know, okay, when the clock hits, you know, four minutes in the first quarter, I know I'm going to get in. I know that I'm going to play, you know, this six-minute span here, this and that. And last year, Boucher kind of had – a role that he was a little a little consistent and it was kind of dependent on the injuries. But I think now that those guys have moved on and he is that guy that's looked to be, he's going to have a consistent rotational spot for him and a consistent, consistent role, like you mentioned, that he's going to have to fulfill. And I think that while there's more pressure that comes along with that, he will be more fit to do it because he knows what it's going to be asked of him on a nightly basis. I think when the role that he had last year was kind of like, okay, I'm going out there. I got a ball out. I have to be a positive, which he did more often than not. But now I think he knows, okay, when I'm going out here, I'm expected to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And it's more than just energy. It's more than just keeping plays alive. And I think he's very much capable of doing that. Like you said, we saw it. You don't win MVP of any professional league without being able to play or defensive player of the year without being able to make plays on defense. So now we'll know we can count on him doing this on a nightly basis. I'm excited to see that. It's, it's a great opportunity for him. Um, of the other guys that are returning from last year on guaranteed deals, Matt Thomas's deal is partially guaranteed. Uh, it will be fully guaranteed, I believe, in February. We saw what he was capable of doing. Uh, he's, a, he's an elite-level shooter. I think there's always a role for those guys in the NBA. We see it um, in the NBA. There's, there's a high value on shooting. Whether or not he can be a net positive on defense or not hold the team back defensively is yet to be seen. But – he has the ability to open a game up with his shooting ability. So with the movement around the roster, do you see Matt Thomas kind of stepping into a more consistent role similar to the other guys we've talked about? I'm not sure if he steps into a more consistent role just because you have to be able to defend to play on one of Nick Nurse's teams. Yeah, um, But I do think that he can take on a bigger role for the role that he already has, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that right now, or, or last year, I should say, um, Nick Nurse used him really sparingly as a microwave off the bench, as someone who can just go in and knock down shots. And I think we'll see that a little bit more frequently this upcoming season. I don't know how consistent his minutes are going to be, again, because of the defensive end. But he really is when you look at this Raptors roster. I mean, I guess you could call Norman Powell someone that comes in and and is primarily a shooter. But other than that, I mean, Kyle Lowry can shoot. Pascal can shoot. OG can shoot from now and then. And Fred Van Vliet can obviously shoot. But Matt Thomas is the only pure marksman on this team. And I think that that gives him a very defined specific role where Nick Nurse can trust continuing to go back to him whenever they need a burst of offense. So to answer your question, I'm not sure that we're going to see more consistent minutes from Matt Thomas, but I do think that we will see uh, more important minutes from Matt Thomas. It won't be just at garbage time at the end of games, which we already started to see in the playoffs last year and, and towards the end of the regular season in the bubble where he, he uh, took on a bigger role playing more minutes during actual, you know, playing time during games that mattered. Um, I think that we'll see more of that from him this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you talk about these shooters and, and there's certain guys like, you know, you, you don't realize how 
I don't say good, but you don't realize how solid defensively guys like Kyle Corver and guys like Duncan Robinson are. Even though they get targeted on the defensive end, they still can bring a certain amount of defense to the table to where they can be trusted in those situations because of how good they are at shooting. And I think Matt Thomas might necessarily be the level of shooter, might not necessarily be the level of shooter as them as far as the situations in which he can shoot, but as far as knocking down open jumpers and bringing that to the table, he has that part there. So it's not even like we want you to be an all defensive caliber guy. Don't don't go study the Tony Allen tapes, but certainly looking at those guys and kind of seeing how they've carved a role for themselves to be playable on that end of the floor, I think is a next step for him because we talked about it. It's just how valuable that part of the game is um, to this team and to any team and uh, the, the ability for him to be able to just add that uh, to the game would be would be huge for him. And the only other guaranteed member of the training camp roster that returns from last season is second-year guard Terrence Davis. Davis is a player that we have not spoken on much this offseason. He's alleged to have been involved in a domestic violence incident towards the end of October in New York City. And in the fallout of that, there have been questions surrounding his spot on the roster for this upcoming season. Naturally, Team President Masai Ujiri was asked about Davis's status with the team as he faces some pretty serious charges uh, to which Ujiri responded to reporters, and I quote, no, there's not much of an update. We're obviously waiting on the NBA investigation, and I think he has a court date coming up on December 11th. We made a decision as an organization with all the information that we had with us. We tried to really see this thing from a certain point of view. I will say this, we don't condone anything that resembles what was alleged to have happened. We would not do that in our organization. What we have is a certain amount of information where we have to wait until the NBA is done with their investigation. We feel comfortable, and I'll say this, we've done as much due diligence in talking to Terrence, talking to our organization. We went as even as far as even talking to all the women in our organization and getting their point of view from this. This is very important for us because we don't want to say one thing and go do another thing. We also have to respect the NBA and the Players Association and what they have to do with this. So is with the team now, and we wait until the decision or investigation is complete or more information is had. Again, echo the sentiments of Ujiri, whose words those were. Uh, these actions are not condoned by the Raptors franchise. Uh, more information needs to come out before any action is taken by the organization, the NBA, or its Players Association. So until then, Davis will be an active member of the roster um, and stands to return Davis, the player, um, as a key rotational player um, from last season. It's hard to shift the focus from Davis the person to Davis, the player, um, and the alleged actions facing Davis, the person. But as it is right now, Davis, the player, is entering his second season in the NBA um, and stands to, again, be a member of this rotation. So taking a look at it from that lens, what is it that you're expecting uh, from year two of Terrence Davis, the player? Yeah, speaking on Terrence Davis, the basketball player, strictly the basketball player, uh, you know, he had an awesome season last year, mm -hmm. all rookie second team, which no one would have ever expected out of this undrafted player. And he had spurts throughout the year where it really looked like he could be a long time uh, reserve guard in this league just because he's high energy. He can defend. He has bursts of offense. He's super athletic. Uh, you and I, when we did the fast facts for NBA.com, we quickly found out that, you know, this guy had sec offers for college yeah. football i mean you you don't just stumble into sec offers for college football if you're not an incredible athlete and i think that you know 
his situation puts the Raptors in a tough spot because obviously if that had never happened, we would be talking about Terrence Davis and how he can make a huge impact for this team, this upcoming season, adding depth for some of the players that they lost, the player that Nick nurse can continuously trust. And it's unfortunate that uh, we can't really talk about him in that definitive lens, but you know, with that being said, he is on the roster. We have to address him as a basketball player. And if he is going to be on the floor for the Raptors this season, he's going to make an impact yeah. because he had a really, like I said, had a really encouraging season last year. He's a guy that, you know, God forbid Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet were to go down with injuries that, you know, caused them to miss some games last year with the nagging injuries that those two always seem to kind of stumble their way into. Terrence Davis would without a doubt be the first guard off the bench. Well, depending on what you call Norman Powell, a guard or a forward, Terrence Davis would without a doubt be the first guard off the bench to fill that, uh, that void that would be left behind from Lowry or Van Vliet. And now, you know, you're, we're going to talk about Malachi Flynn and we're going to talk about DeAndre Bembry. Uh, you're looking at guys who, and Patrick McCaw is another one that I think Nick Nurse can trust, but you're talking about guys that now need to earn Nick Nurse's trust and earn the trust of the rest of the teammates to step in and know that they're going to make a positive impact night in and night out if you know Van Vleet or Lowry weren't able to go, where if Terrence Davis was definitively going to be on the court playing basketball this season, that's one less thing the Raptors' depth would have to worry about. So I think more than anything else, it just puts Toronto in a tough spot. Again, talking about it from a basketball standpoint, mm-hmm. it puts the Raptors in a tough spot. It puts Nick Nurse in a tough spot of – you know, what do we, who do we go to if something were to happen to one of our starting point guard, shooting guard um, in, you know, in training camp and in preseason and in the early stages of the regular season, we're going to see him experiment with different guys from Malachi Flynn, DeAndre Bembry, Patrick McCall to see who earns that respect and earns that trust. Yeah, for sure. You know, again, it's hard to separate the player from the individual um, on and off the floor a lot because it's not like, you know, art where you can separate it like that. It's very much um, a lot of overlap as far as that goes. And the NBA and its players association has a very uh, strict protocol and approach and guidelines to these types of situations, which means it's just going through his due process. So, we can't say definitively whether or not he will be on the roster until uh, on opening day or whatever, or whether he'll be active or an active member of the roster. But as it is right now, he is a, a key role as far as being a returner, uh, just purely on the basketball court. And, and once they sort everything out as far as his fit as an individual within the culture of the organization, which, as you could tell from Masai Ujiri's statement, uh, it's a culture that doesn't condone these type of actions. So um, once that gets sorted out and figured out, uh, that'll be a, a big kind of, um, I guess, a, a fulcrum or a, a, a point of, of, of pivoting to, towards the future. Um, and, and I think, speaking of that, you look at the, the offseason approach and, and the draft pick, and we'll go straight to that, who they added this offseason, Malachi Flynn. Uh, you, you talked about it a little bit. I, I think that that draft of a point guard uh, who you had rated very highly on your boards. I think a lot of people thought that the Raptors um, ended up with another draft gym and doing that uh, might've been, uh, you know, a residual of that situation. So notwithstanding what it means for Terrence Davis, Malachi Flynn himself learning under Kyle Lowry and Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet, who we said he's worked out with this offseason already before training camp. What are you expecting from him as far as a role goes? Because you don't not play a first round draft pick. So how can he squeak and, and find minutes early on? Obviously, defense is the way to do it. He's a defensive player of the year in his conference last year. So what do you think he can do as a rookie? I think with Malachi Flynn, we talked about this a little bit in the 
post-draft podcast. But like you said, I was really high on Malachi Flynn even before that I knew that he was going to the Toronto Raptors. I thought that he had potential to be the first veteran upperclassman guard to go off the board in the late rounds to a team that needed someone that can make an impact right away. And I think one of the things that, you know, is, is awesome about Malachi Flynn and makes him a very Raptors-esque player is that even if Terrence Davis is on the roster and he has to compete for minutes, I think that's something that's going to drive Malachi Flynn to be a better player. He's a competitor. He was the Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. You already alluded to him. He was the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, this was the last undefeated team left in college basketball, and he was the one that was consistently stepping up night in and night out to assure that his team remained undefeated. This is a team that started the season unranked and finished the season with two losses. So a 30-2 team that was on its way to making a tournament run, even though the tournament got cut short, it just shows the type of caliber of player that Malachi Flynn is coming in and setting a tone for that roster. I think that he can do the same for the Raptors. I think that, like I just said, if he has to compete with, with Terrence Davis for minutes, I would not be shocked if Malachi Flynn came out and won that role over Terrence Davis, even if he's still on the roster. I would not be shocked if he takes, takes minutes away from Patrick McCaw because he is a trustworthy playmaker. He knocks down big shots when he has to. He digs in and takes pride on the defensive end, even if he's a little undersized, which the Raptors are no strangers to that with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. They're constantly you know, turning out these undersized point guards that just find ways to succeed on both ends of the floor because they're trustworthy floor generals that make the right play. They can knock down shots when they need to. And I think Malachi Flynn is just that. And you know, I was kind of saying how Terrence Davis gives – Nick Nurse, without anything happening this offseason, Terrence Davis would have given Nick Nurse a safety blanket to go to when Kyle Lowry, if Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet were to be injured. I think Malachi Flynn will be the one that will eventually step into that role this season. It just might, it might take some time because, again, these rookies, it's going to be the most unique pro- – it's already been one of the most unique yeah. process, processes with – you know, the way the NBA combine worked out, even the way the NBA draft worked out and now no summer league, they're jumping straight into training camp, which for players like Malachi Flynn and players like Jalen Harris, I mean, they are not even in Toronto. They're all the way down in Tampa. So uh, to add to that with no summer league jumping straight into preseason and then the regular season a a week and a half after that, these guys are basically just getting thrown right into the fire. So I think eventually Malachi Flynn will be that trustworthy player that Nick Nurse can rely on, but it might take a little bit more time than usual because of the lack of summer league, lack of a full training camp, not being in Toronto, kind of readjusting to what NBA life might be like. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but the, the, and maybe this is a, is a big reach. Um, but I, I do think that adaptability is something that could be an underrated skill for he and Jalen Harris. Because one thing I noticed they had in common, they both transferred schools during their college career. And it, again, it's nothing like becoming a pro and, and starting your professional career in the market that you're not even going to really start your career off in. But just knowing how to do something on the fly and trying to pick things up, hopefully, for the Raptors' sake, the Raptors can hope that they can maybe apply some of those things to what they use as transfers because they end up transferring to different schools and and being blossoming into much bigger stars than they were at their initial schools. So maybe they kind of maybe it's a reach. Maybe they can apply that a, a little bit um, into into adapting to a new system, new area, and they have a great system that they fall into. There is a foundation and establishment that in, in Toronto or Tampa this year that is allowed, that will allow them to uh, learn and, and um, pick it up quickly. Um, speaking of that, you know, we've, we've talked on our last time we, we were on here, we talked about the free agent acquisitions, um, Aaron Baines, Alex Lynn, DeAndre Bembry, three guys who uh, all stand to, have different levels of roles. I think Aaron Baines is, has the clearest cut role as a starting five. 
Uh, but after that, um, what is it that you kind of can see or envision? And even with Aaron Baines as well, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier um, as far as minutes distribution, like Aaron Baines, even as a starting center, I don't think you really want him playing more than, you know, half the game, you know, 24, 25 minutes per game. Um, so is Lynn the guy that's going to spell him sometimes or like is he going to be the third guy behind Boucher? And then Bembry could be like night to night, maybe like similar to what we saw at Rondé House Jefferson. Some games are Bembry games, some games aren't. So uh, how do you feel about that three as far as their role goes minutes wise and role and, and, and rotation wise? I think with you hit the nail on the head with Aaron Baines. I think that he will be the starting center, but you know, for a guy who is kind of injury prone, he's another one that just seems to stumble in these most bizarre injuries. I mean, the guy will miss 15 games in a season and one will be a wrist injury. One will be, you know, a neck injury. One will be rolled his ankle, broken thumb, something like that. He's just always down there banging bodies. He's physical and that type of stuff is going to happen. So on nights that he's not available, I think that's when you look at Chris Boucher sliding into the starting rotation with Alex Len coming up behind him. But, and you, you and I talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, you mentioned how Alex Len could be a guy that's a little bit more physical than Boucher coming off the bench for matchups against guys like Bam Adebayo, even if he isn't going to be able to match up with him uh, athletically, at least physically he can get there and same with Joel Embiid. So I think that between the three of them, they Nick Nurse has a rotation of centers that he should be able to rely on in different situations. And some nights it might be Baines and Boucher. Some nights it might be Boucher and Len. Some nights it might be Baines and Len. And I think that it's going to be an interest. It should make for an interesting training camp and an interesting preseason with those guys battling for minutes because, you know, Alex Len's coming in hoping that he can steal minutes from Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher is coming in hoping to retain the starting center spot that was left behind from Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. And Aaron Baines is coming in. I don't know if he's assuming that he's going to be the starting center, but he's going to have to compete for starting center minutes, whether he knows it or not. So I think that between those three, that it should create a very competitive environment in training camp of those guys working hard. And that stuff's contagious. I mean, if those three are competing for starting minutes for the bulk of minutes, you're going to start to see the same thing. Like we already talked about with Malachi Flynn, DeAndre Bembry, Terrence Davis, Patrick McCaw fighting for those extra minutes. And I just think that's good. That's good competition. It's good camaraderie for the team, for everybody to be working that hard in training camp to get ready for the season. I think you hit the nail on the head also with DeAndre Bembry and how he could kind of fill a Rondé Hollis Jefferson role because you had already mentioned this and the thing that you wrote about DeAndre Bembry of how he could basically be the guard version of Rondé Hollis Jefferson for the Raptors this upcoming season. I think that, I don't know for sure, but I, I want to say that we're going to say, see DeAndre Bembry more frequently and more consistently than we did Rondé Hollis Jefferson just because I just think that DeAndre Bembry, and we've already talked about it on this podcast before, is the most like prototypical Raptors, Nick Nurse type of guy because he's so versatile. He can truly defend one through three. I'm sure if you told him you had to go out there and defend a power forward, he'd do his best at doing so. Uh, brings a ton of energy, defensive-minded first, he's extremely athletic. He's going to run the wing in transition, and we've already seen him throw down a couple ridiculous dunks and I think that that type of energy is contagious with the Raptors as well so I want to believe that we'll see DeAndre Bembry a little bit more consistently than we saw Rondé Hollis Jefferson but again with Terrence Davis in the fold there there's a, a crowded backcourt there and I think that it's going to create for two great competitions in the backcourt and in the frontcourt this this preseason in this training camp 
two things you mentioned. One, uh, I did I did write how does DeAndre Bem- DeAndre Bembry fit on the Toronto Raptors, and, and our uh, Scott Rafferty also wrote about Aaron Baines and Alex Lynn's fit uh, with Toronto. So head on over to NBA.com if you have not caught them already to see what to expect from them in the preseason. Something you mentioned about Bembry that I want to dive into a little more, not just how it impacts him, but how it impacts the entire roster. You said, you know, if he was asked to guard a four, he probably would. And I think that that is something that's interesting, the flexibility that the guys on this roster are going to have to have, because I think that we've seen it in the past and has been successful, those small ball lineups. So, you know, you mentioned that big man rotation or that center rotation, but we also have to think about the prospect of Pascal playing some five and OG playing some five. Do you expect to see more experimental lineups this year because of the roster transition? I mean, you always expect the unexpectedly nurse, but this year more so than years past, I think we will see a lot of things depending on, you know, a night to night basis. Cause you talk about the big men in the Eastern conference it's a short list of guys who are really going to dominate you and make you pay for going small. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of small ball from the Raptors. And, and, and conversely, there's like a big lineup that they could run too that like has like Norm like handling the ball a lot and they just run a bunch of big guys too. So they have the flexibility to do both things. It's kind of weird. Yeah, we saw them go small ball in the playoffs against the Celtics because that's a team that you can go small ball against. And there are other teams in the East. I mean, obviously the Bucks, the Sixers, the Heat aren't necessarily those teams. Well, the Heat sometimes could be those teams when Bam's not on the floor. But um, I do think that you're going to see Nick Nurse experiment like you said, you can always expect the unexpected from Nick Nurse, but I think we will see some lineups with OG at the five. It seemed like that was something that he was really comfortable going to in the playoffs, especially against the Celtics. Um, and it worked. I mean, it, for the most part, it worked. I mean, they were able to force it, force that series to seven games when at times it looked like they might've gotten swept and, I know Marcus Saul and Serge Baca probably weren't the biggest fans of that. And Serge even expressed his frustrations with that towards the end of the season. But um, I think that's just the nature of the game today in the NBA. And if there are teams that are playing small ball, the Raptors are going to have no problem going small ball. And the, those three bigs, uh, along with guys like OG, who isn't afraid to you know buckle down and defend a five if he has to, mm-hmm. that also gives the Raptors the flexibility of going bigger if they need to or going smaller if they need to. So I think that we are going to see Nick Nurse throw out uh, you know, even more janky defenses and even more, you know, unique lineups on the offensive end and just kind of like throw things together until he finds out what clicks and what works because this team, again, is coming in with a chip on its shoulder just like it did last year, just like it did the year prior to that when they won the championship. It just seems like that doesn't necessarily ever change. And I think that with this roster they have in place, it does give him the flexibility because there are so many versatile guys. It gives them the flexibility to get creative and get experimental, and it should be fun. Uh, honestly, I don't have any hesitation in my mind that the Raptors are going to find a way to make it work because they always do. Of course. Of course. You know, I was thinking about it as you were saying that. I was like, Nurse kind of likes playing McCall at the one. They could have a six, seven point guard and just like put other guys out there. And, you know, when you're playing against a team like Philly who can go big, you just, it's just good to have the flexibility to do that with a, with a coach who's kind of like that, that evil genius like, like Nick Nurse is. To give him as many versatile players that he has all that at his disposal is as good as possible. As we round out the roster, those are the 14 guys um, who are kind of on guaranteed deals. Uh, 15th and 16th guys are the two-way guys this year. Paul Watson back on a two-way deal, as is Jalen Harris, who was the 59th pick in the draft. Uh, we talked a little bit about Harris. Paul Watson is a guy who I also broke down his game and how he fits with the Raptors on NBA.com. So check that out as well. Um, this year is so different because we don't know what the G League is going to be like right now. So they are essentially just full-time members of the team. 
I think that that kind of is a bonus for the Raptors because of how good they are at developing people. And in the case of Paul Watson, how familiar he is with the system already and how good we saw him play uh, at the restart. So do you think that's kind of like an advantage of having that quality of type of guys? And do you expect them to be trusted to play much, if at all? I mean, at the time of recording on Monday, we just found out that the Raptors already have three three positive COVID tests. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, whether we don't know if they're players or not, Bobby Webster uh, kept his mouth shut in the um, you know media availability when reporters were constantly asking him about who had tested positive, so on and so forth. Um, and I think that it's going to be such a unique season with co- positive COVID tests and uh, just you know random nights where guys that they just can't step in and suit up. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, they need the rest because of a short off season or it's because of positive COVID tests. I think we're going to get to see more guys get uh, more opportunities than they might expect. And we've already seen, I think it was Sham Strania. It may have been Adrian Wojnowski. Obviously it's always those, one of those two guys, yeah. but have already reported that the NBA is experimenting or, or looking into expanding the roster to 17 players for the season because of COVID, which they also did in the bubble. Um, and I think that when that roster expands 17, you're going to start to see two-way players or, or guys that, you know, potentially would just be full-time Raptors 905ers end up getting some serious consideration for playing time with the big league club. And, uh, you know, whether that's Paul Watts and whether that's Jalen Harris, whether it's one of the guys they brought in, Elise Johnson, Yuta Wananabe or Henry Ellenson, I think that these guys, whoever wins those final roles on the team in training camp, I would not be shocked if we saw them suit up from time to time and get an opportunity to really prove themselves on an actual NBA court because of the uncertainty that's going to happen this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I'm mean, not funny, but you know, like it, it, it's the, the state of where things are now, you just have to take into account that positive COVID-19 tests are a reality of it. We've seen it in football already. We've seen it in baseball already. We've seen it in college sports. So you just kind of have to have that contingency plan in place and have a deep roster of guys who you can trust to play in situations because you don't want it to happen, but you have to realize that there is a realistic possibility that you are without a player for 10 to 14 days because of that. Um, last thing you, you talked about it a little bit, these these guys the, who rounded out the trading camp roster, um, a few familiar faces, O'Shea Brissett, Mississauga native, Henry Ellenson was playing with Raptors 905 last year, Yudo Watanabe was with the Memphis Grizzlies organization for the past two years, and Alizé Johnson came to Toronto from spending his, the beginning of his career in Indiana with the Pacers. Obviously, we know a little more about O'Shea Brissett than the rest of these guys because he's a Canada guy, because he was with a, a two-way contract with the Raptors last year. But of those four, um, let's just say they're playing for one spot. They're, they're fighting for one spot. Who do you think kind of has a leg up based on what you know about these guys? You'd like to think O'Shea Brissett just because he was with the team last year uh, on a two-way deal. But Henry Ellenson is another one. He played really well with the Raptors 905 last season. And I think that you know just knowing how the Raptors work and how they like developing in-house talent – I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those two guys just because they have seen them under their own roof already. They know that, you know, these are guys that could be good locker room guys. They've had a presence in their G league team. And I, th- I, I, it just wouldn't surprise me if it's one of those two guys just because they were already in house. But of course they brought in Elise Johnson and brought in Yuta Watanabe for a reason. I mean, they yeah. must like the potential that they see with those guys and whether it's, uh, 
you know, keeping them with the Raptors 905 and just seeing what they can do. And maybe eventually we'll be talking about those guys in a similar light that we are with O'Shea Brissett and Henry Ellenson. It could be as soon as next season where it's like, all right, well, these guys are familiar faces to the organization. They've had one good year with the team. Maybe now they get the call up to the big roster for the next season. But for, for me, just knowing the type of the, the type of organization the Raptors are and how they like developing in-house talent, my guess would be it would be O'Shea Brissett or Henry Ellenson that gets one of those final spots just because they've already proved they can get it done for the Raptors 905 in the organization that familiar faces. And again, I mean, they both kind of fit under that umbrella of having some versatility. O'Shea Brissett, someone that can play guard or forward. Henry Ellenson, someone that can play forward or center as, you know, a seven footer who can step out and shoot the basketball a little bit. So I would look for Brissett or Ellenson to take one of those last two spots. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit. I was going to say for those of you out there that aren't that familiar with Henry Ellenson, he is a former uh, number 18 overall pick in 2016. Um, also, will be 24 uh, this season. Johnson is 24 already, was a late second-round pick in 2018, 6'7", forward, and Watanabe is 6'8", small forward. Again, two-way contract with the Memphis Grizzlies and Memphis Hustle for the past two seasons. He's 26 years old. So it's it's good to have competition. It's good to have um, those type of battles because I think that that's infectious throughout the roster. Or oh, maybe don't use the word infectious right now. That it's it's a, it's it's a uh, it's a attitude that can be felt throughout the roster, especially uh, in a situation where you need to kind of create your own energy uh, with no fans in the crowd. And you're in a new city. You're in a new area, um, especially with games coming up and a matter of days. It's not the typical preseason period, not the typical training camp period, but it's here. Um, as we move towards that, what are you uh, most excited to look towards when you watch the Raptors play uh, when the preseason gets going? It's got to be Pascal Siakam, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much of, of Pascal will actually see in the preseason, but I'm just looking forward to specifically on the offensive end, just see what he was working on to find ways to create offense for himself. We, we really saw him get shut down in the bubble because, um, you know, teams kind of figured out that go-to spin move. Teams figured out exactly where he wants to get to on the floor and uh, they defended it well and Pascal struggled. I mean, at times he just he couldn't even find the bottom of the bucket on the easiest of layups. And I think that that has to has, has a lot to do with, um, you know, maybe basketball just wasn't all that fun for him in the bubble and he wasn't enjoying it the way that some other players were. And that's all right. I mean, that type of stuff happens. And I think that, like we already said, I think he'll be better for it this season. But when it comes to what I'm most excited for to see the Raptors play this upcoming season, it's obviously going to be if Pascal can get back to all-star form. As far as actual preseason goes for guys that we're going to see on the floor a lot, I've already talked about Malachi Flynn a ton. Yeah. I'm extremely excited to watch him play. And I think that he's someone that will see a ton of playing time in the preseason, just because Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet both played a ridiculous amount of minutes in the playoffs. Yeah. And that was not all that long that ago. Not long ago at all. So, so I, I think that with Malachi Flynn, we're going to have an opportunity to really see if he could step into that reserve point guard role. And I expect him to be able to, and I just want to see him uh, prove me right. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be fun, especially with him coming to Charlotte, playing his LaMelo ball, have a nice little rookie point guard matchup, you know, the flashy name versus the kind of, get it out of the mud, uh, grinder type guy. I think that'll be a really fun dynamic to the matchup uh, with that. And uh, for me, I, I think I'm, a, I'm I'm excited to see the the free agent acquisitions, uh, just to see kind of how they fit within uh, the, the system. Yeah, we won't see them in their actual role because, again, like you said, these, especially Aaron Baines, is, isn't the youngest guy out there. Um, Alex Lynn is an, an NBA veteran as well, and even Bembry to a certain extent. So they're not going to be 
playing all that much in the preseason aside from trying to kind of figure out how they how they play in the system and, and, and get some reps in here and there. So we'll just be excited to see them uh, fulfill the roles that, that are expected of them uh, again. And DeAndre Bembry, a Charlotte native, gets to come home and play in two preseason games, even if uh, family and friends can't come check that out. Again, the Raptors get their preseason schedule underway Saturday, December 12th. The first of two games against the Charlotte Hornets, they will return to Tampa and close out the preseason against the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat on Friday, December 18th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. I think that might be the biggest dress rehearsal uh, before the opening day or opening night on December 23rd against the New Orleans Pelicans opening night for the second straight year we'll be back to get you geared up for more preseason later on in the week but until then keep it locked in with nba.com as we will have all things raptors from training camp a lot of developments each and every day uh as well as with the developing situation around the COVID 19 situation around the league as well as with the toronto raptors until then subscribe to the raptors pod table podcast keep it locked in with us we got you covered Every week with a new episode. And now with the season coming back around, we'll have more post-game and pre-game coverage for you for this 72-game season and a very unique year. For Kyle Irving, I'm Gil McGregor. We will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in.